Uh, good evening, everyone, and uh, a really very warm welcome to you all to our, our service this evening. It's really lovely uh, to see you all here uh, with us tonight as we gather uh, to worship the Lord. Uh, this evening, Colin has COVID, uh, but he will, thanks to Zoom, be preaching to us this evening, uh, finishing off his series of uh, our foundations in, of faith, uh, looking at providence. God does indeed run the world. So I look forward to hearing Colin speak to us uh, on that topic a little bit later. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just uh, still our hearts, uh, being mindful uh, that we come into the presence of the one true living God to offer him uh, our worship, uh, to glorify him. And on a day that we're thinking about uh, the issue of providence, uh, let me just share some words from Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 9. Uh, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this time this evening. Father, I pray that where there are distractions in our hearts and in our minds, uh, help us lay those down. Open up the eyes of our hearts that we might uh, see you. Quicken our minds uh, that we might uh, hear from you. Open our ears so that the still, small voice of your spirit uh, may be heard. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to a time of confession. Uh, we've just sung some amazing words there, haven't we? Come praise and glory. We sang to the praise of your glory, to the praise of your mercy and grace, to the praise of your glory. You are the God who saves. And yet, as we look back over the last week, maybe just today, or even in the journey coming to church this evening. Perhaps our lives haven't reflected that truth. That we live for the praise of our glory. That we think that we can save ourselves. So let's just take a moment to perhaps just dwell on how we've lived uh, in the light of who God is over the last week or so. And just bring to, him the th- bring to mind the, the times where we've lived for ourselves and not for him. And I will then say some words of confession. We say sorry to God and then some words of comfort. So let's just take a moment in the stillness of our own hearts uh, to bring those things to mind. When the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Therefore, in the light of Christ, let us confess our sins. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us. And restore us to the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And because of the amazing work that God has done in and through the Lord Jesus on the cross, we know that forgiveness. So some words of comfort and consolation. So may the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, we are going to have a little reading from Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, 4 through 11. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. Um, and after that, there's going to be a recording of an interview that Colin did with uh, Vicky. Um, and following that, Elizabeth Law will come up uh, to lead us in prayer. We'll respond in song, and then Martin will bring us our reading and then Colin will speak to us um, on the screen. Okay, so you won't see me, but that's kind of the pattern uh, that we're going to be following. So if you've got your Bibles, do turn to Hebrews uh, 12, verses 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Uh, These are words of encouragement that the writer of Hebrews gives us. Uh, Pain, uh, the hard times that we endure aren't times where God is absent or away from us. Uh, But the writer here encourages us that through those pains, God is actually at work uh, in our lives. And at times that may be difficult for us to see. uh, But the encouragement that we have is that God is indeed at work disciplining us uh, for our good that we may share in his holiness. Uh, C.S. Lewis had a wonderful quote, thinking about the pain in the world, uh, and he, sh- he says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. But pain is not the whole story, is it? As we know, there's always a later on which follows. There's a harvest of righteousness and peace, which invariably comes for those who have been trained and been disciplined by our Heavenly Father. So we're going to listen now to the interview, uh, and then we'll conduct, we'll carry on with the service. Hi there, Vicky. So for those of you who who don't know you, Vicky, and uh, maybe who don't know your story, uh, Vicky is from Upper Norwood, which is near Crystal Palace in southeast London. And uh, Vicky's been coming along for a few months now, mainly because she's my girlfriend. So uh, it's great to have you, and thanks for taking the time to to be interviewed on God's providence. And to to give people a little bit of context, uh, you were raised in a, an African Pentecostal church, and really on a, you're on a journey of faith at the moment and understanding. Uh, how to process and understand what some what, what things have happened in the past, which were uh, maybe you looked at from a, an African cultural lens, um, and actually what some things are, which are actually not just cultural but but biblical. Um, I try to think through a number of those things in a number of different areas, and one of those things, uh, as we've spoken about, is um, in the area of pain and suffering, uh, as you. As you sadly lost your mum uh, five years ago, um, with the anniversary, the fifth anniversary just passed on Friday, and um, and really in struggling through how and why uh, God has, has let this happen, these have been things which I'm sure you have worked through and and um, and thought about in the past. And so, in that light, Vicky, as gently as I can, um, can I ask you when you think back to to what happened with your mum? Um, how did you process things at that time and uh, what were some of the things you were taught or some of the things that you thought were true at that point uh, hello thank you for having me first of all um yeah so uh as you said lost mum five years ago on friday and i think when i look back at my journey overall i probably didn't process it very well um and that was mainly because things that I sort of understood or um, that were implied were a lot to do with in terms of like faith. So I, I kind of always thought that if you had lots and lots and lots and lots of faith and you were um, constantly praying all the time and you were on your best behavior with God and you followed everything through that you, um, that God would 
in the end reward you or provide or heal, just do anything that you basically pray for or ask for. And so when I looked through my mum's, um, her life and her illness and she was constantly sick, there were moments where she did get healed and it seemed like, oh, okay, we've prayed and God's answered. And so the moments when she wasn't getting better and then when she eventually passed away, it was just really difficult for me to understand how God just didn't heal her and how um, he didn't answer prayers. Um, and then also at the same time, I suppose in that, my process was guilt because I felt that I hadn't prayed enough or I hadn't fasted enough or I hadn't given enough tithes or offering or whatever it is to to make her be healed and for her to be okay. So it was it was pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 just as we think about some of the verses which have just been read to us from Hebrews 12, especially verse 10 and 11, speaking of how uh, God disciplines those he loves, um, and it seems painful at the time, but produces a harvest of righteousness by those who've been trained in it. Uh, how have you seen God's hand at work in your life, especially in the light of, of that pain and suffering of, of losing your mum? Yeah, well, I feel, I feel like... Um, when when she passed away, I definitely wanted to turn away from faith, and I did. I I thought that there was nothing in it for for you. Um, that to put it really badly, but God God wasn't on my side, or didn't care, or didn't love me, and so I was looking for peace and contentment and some answers just to my life in other things and worldly things. I didn't think that God was enough um to to give me those things, and yet. I was, funny enough, not seeing or finding any peace or contentment in those worldly things. And so it got to the point where I felt like my back was against the wall and I felt completely hopeless, crippled with anxiety. And I just said that, you know, God, if if you are real and if you are there, then help me. And um, I really felt that he did because despite all the issues and all the chaos around me, I felt complete and utter peace. And that's the first time I've ever had that. And so I do feel like God really through this pain and suffering, it brought me closer to him. Um, and I really do feel that um, through God's providence as well, I was able to to have a better understanding or a deeper understanding of his love yeah. um, for me. Um, despite, yeah, like I said, the utter, the utter chaos that was around. Um do I say that I'm perfect and I've got it all together? No, absolutely not. Um, I have days where it's really, really hard. Um, and I'm learning every day and it's a work in progress, but, um, I can definitely see God's providence in his hand in just in how far he's brought me in my faith and how, and my relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. So praise God. Great. And just lastly, <clears throat> to the best of your knowledge and to, to what you understand uh, today, five years on, what do you think the Lord might do with your pain and suffering in time? Well, I definitely feel that um, it's been it's been crazy because although I would I would hope that I was an empathetic person before, I do feel like pain and suffering does make you more empathetic, and you can relate, um, especially when it comes to where I've obviously bereavement and losing a parent. Um, I've been kind of shocked at the conversations I've had with various people I mean some amazing people at Long Crendon um at work um you know my family being able to talk to people and encourage them and say that I understand where you're coming from and talking it through with people I think that's been something that God has just it's just been amazing to see and it's all shocked me completely um you don't realize just how much you've been through or how or how the Lord has really helped you until you're able to have these conversations and, and connect with people. So I think in, God has really used that pain and that suffering in that way. Um, and I mean, I sort of, it takes me back to sort of second Corinthians one, if I can quickly read it, that's okay. Um, second Corinthians one, three to four, which says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I do feel that I've been able to be an encouragement as God is comfort, as God has been comforting me, I've been able to comfort others as well. So 
Um, yeah, that's another thing. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks for taking the time. So let's come and pray. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we give you praise tonight for all your many blessings. We thank you for the relationship we can have with you through the blood of Jesus. And we thank you that we can come to you in prayer and you hear us and answer us in your wisdom. Father, we pray for the situation in Ukraine. We find it hard to know how to pray, but Father, we know that you are a good God, full of grace and mercy, and so we pray that you would bring about peace in that country. Please be close to your people living in Ukraine and Russia and bring them comfort and the practical everyday needs they require. We pray for Ukrainians who are settling into new countries and cultures, having left everything behind. We pray that you would give them your comfort and help us to make them feel welcome and safe in our communities. Lord, we pray for opportunities and boldness to tell others the gospel. And we especially ask that you would give us wisdom in knowing who to invite to the various evangelistic events here at LCBC. Please prepare the hearts of those you would have come and hear the good news of Jesus to accept you as saviour. We pray that you would enable those speaking at the men's equipping breakfast, the women's outreach breakfast and the church day away to open up and explain your word clearly. Father, we thank you that you give comfort to those who weep and mourn. We continue to bring Lila and Stuart before you and ask that you would continue to uphold them in your loving, strong arms. Please make your presence felt by your present felt to all those in our fellowship who are finding life hard. Thank you, gracious Father, for Josh and Helen Chard. Please encourage them as they settle into life in Egypt. We especially pray that you would bring healing to their recent ill health and renew their strength in the Lord. Lord God, we bring Colin before you and ask that you would bring complete healing from COVID. And now, as he brings us your word, Father, please give him wisdom and clarity so that we might know you more fully and love you more dearly. Please give us ears to hear and hearts ready to be obedient and changed by your Holy Spirit as we listen to Colin open up your word to us tonight. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So our reading this evening is Isaiah chapter 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armour, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honour, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. 
Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but potsherds among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, What are you making? Does your work say, The potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, What have you begotten? Or to a mother, What have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its Maker. Concerning things to come, do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands have stretched out the heavens. I marshaled the starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord says. The products of Egypt, the merchandise of Cush, and those tall Sabians, they will come over to you and will be yours. They will trudge behind you, coming over to you in chains, They will bow down before you and plead with you, saying, Surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Saviour of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgraced. They will go off into disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgraced to ages everlasting. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what it is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. My mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. Thank you, Martin. Um, It's almost ironic as we speak of God's providence that here I am sat in my house uh, preaching to you uh, in the providence of God. Um, But it's wonderful to be able to meet and to share God's word together as we think of God working in the world and in our lives. Um, You should also have a a little handout there as well. Please do uh, hold on to that because I'll refer to it at one point as well. Let me pray as we come to the word. Father God, we thank you for uh, your goodness to us. We thank you that you are the one who is in control of all things. And so we pray as we come to your word now that we would uh, be that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, that we would be able to to see you in all your glory, Lord, uh, the one who is uh, sovereign over all things, that that would bring comfort to our hearts. And so we pray that you would help us, Lord, be transformed by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, life as we experience it is messy, is it not? It really makes me ask the question, how do I make sense of life when life doesn't seem to make sense? How do I make sense of life when life doesn't seem to make sense? How do I make sense of life when there is a global pandemic? How do I make sense of life when there's a war between two nations? When there's a, an economic recession? Maybe when I lose my job? Maybe when I see the evil acts done to people that I know? When a marriage breaks down? Maybe in the death of a loved one? Or maybe when we, we get ill? An illness hits us from nowhere or maybe comes to someone that we know and love. How do we make sense of life in all the mess? Well, here's one answer. The providence of God. Providence is the last in our series in the foundations of faith. Uh, as we've looked at sin, new birth, uh, the cross, election, perseverance. And tonight we're thinking of the providence of God about how God works in the world. The theologian uh, Louis Berkhoff, he provides a, a definition for providence in this way. He says it's like uh, that work of God in which he preserves all, uh, all his creatures, is active in all that happens in the world, and directs all things to their appointed end. Let me say that again. It is that work of God in which he preserves all his creatures, he is active in all that happens in the world and directs all things to their appointed end. Because God is not absent in the world, as some might believe. He's not absent in our lives, but he is actively working in all things, in everything, both for our good and for his glory. And therefore, whatever happens in our life, we can trust him. Now, we can trust in God's providential care. And we can do that in three ways, because the, the Lord is in control of our lives. The Lord is at work in our lives. And the Lord has a plan for our lives. And so firstly, we can trust in God's providential care as the Lord is in control of our lives. As you turn to Isaiah 45 there, Isaiah delivers a message uh, to the people of God that, that they would one day be taken into exile and then delivered out of it. This message is, is done, is delivered 200 years before the events take place. Obviously, it's a message of prophecy. And the Lord is, is speaking through Isaiah. And he says in verse 1 to Cyrus that he is going to take, take hold of his right hand subdue nations and strip kings of their armour. The Lord says to Cyrus, as you look there in verse 2 and 3, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Wonderfully, the Lord promises to rescue his people, to bring them out of exile as he leads Cyrus by the hand and destroys nations and kings in the way. And the only unusual thing about this is that Cyrus is a foreign king. He's not the king of Israel. He's the king of Persia. And the Lord gives him a strange name. He gives him the name in verse 1, his anointed. And this would have been shocking, absolutely shocking to an Israelite audience at the time. Anointed means messianic, messianic king, God's saviour king. But he's a foreign king. How does that work? But the Lord will use this foreign king to save his people. So who is in control in this? Is it Cyrus or is it God? Well, God is in control in this. The Lord uses even the actions of a foreign king to accomplish his purposes. 
as Cyrus is both fully responsible for his actions, but is unaware that the Lord is working all things providentially through all the things that Cyrus does, through this foreign king. And the same is true for us today, that we are fully responsible for the things that we do in our lives. And at the same time, the Lord is in total control and working all these things out for his purposes. And the Lord tells us why he uses Cyrus in verse 3, as he says, So that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. The Lord uses this foreign king to accomplish his purposes and show that he alone is God. And he does this for the good of his people, as we see there in verse 4. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honour. The Lord calls people who do not even know him, that they would be used by him for his purposes and for the good of his people. As God uses even wicked men, men that do not know him, to complete and fulfil his purposes. For the good of his people and for the glory of his name. As the Lord says in verse 4 and verse 5, that even though King Cyrus does not acknowledge him, he does these things to show, as Isaiah says in verse 5 and throughout the chapter, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. And so as we think about ourselves, who is in control of your life when things seem to go wrong? God is in control. When things seem wild and totally unexplainable, when we don't really know what's going on, God is in control. The Lord knows everything and controls everything. Even the things that really don't make much sense to us. And therefore we can trust him. We can trust him, which should lead us to really have a a calmness, a steadiness to our hearts and to our characters as we're shaped by this. We don't know why some things happen, but God does. So trust him. But it seems like the whole world is shaking. God does not shake. He is a rock. He founded the world and controls all things. And therefore we can trust him. We must trust him. Trust in God's providence as the Lord is in control. He's in control of all of our lives. We can trust him because he's in control. And secondly, we can trust in God's providential care as he is at work in our lives. The Lord works in ways that we would never normally expect. As you see there in verse 7, the Lord says, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Who brings prosperity to people? Who brings disaster to people? God does. Who brings healing? Who brings death? God does. As Isaiah says, I, the Lord, do all these things. I bring both the good and the bad. And for many of us, this is a really difficult message to receive. A really hard teaching to get our heads around. As awful things happen in our lives that we just cannot explain. But we must ask, is God in control of this or is he not? Is he at work in this or is he not? That's really the the vital reason that we need to understand the providence of God in our lives before we experience suffering. We need to know that God is at work in our lives in all circumstances. Otherwise, we might be tempted to shake the fist at God in anger. We might be tempted to turn to him in rage 
that he has in some way let us down. So when we're going through pain and suffering, we can and we should lament to God. The Psalms tell us really well that we, we should do that and give us good ways to do that. But we can't turn and accuse God. And that's really what the Lord wants to warn his people of from verse 9 to 13 of Isaiah. As the Lord says in verse 9, woe to those who quarrel with their maker. And then later in verse 11, this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? In other words, the, the Lord says to, to us, you want to quarrel with me? I created you from the dust, from the dust of the earth, and you want to argue with me? We must remember who we're talking to. We are talking to the Lord Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, God is not a bigger version of us. He is unlike us. As Isaiah says in chapter 55, verse 8, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Tim Chester says, we, we can't comprehend God, we can't command God, but we can trust God. As often, we can't see what God is doing, but he is at work in our lives, and therefore we can trust him. This is really what's often called the strange work of God. As there are things in our lives that we just can't explain, we don't really understand. And at, at this point, I think it's quite helpful just to have a look at that little handout, um, the, the Confession of Faith handout. And please do take it away with you and have a look through it um, as it explains a lot of the different things on providence. It's a, a modern version of what is really similar to the Westminster Confession of Faith. As you look there at number four and midway down, just after footnote 12, it begins through a complex. It says, through a complex arrangement of methods, he, that is God, governs sinful actions to accomplish his perfectly holy purposes. Yet he does this in such a way that the sinfulness of their acts arises only from the creatures and not from God, because God is altogether holy and righteous. He can neither originate nor approve of sin. It's really important to underline that, that God is not the author of evil, but he does use evil. He does use it to accomplish his plans and purposes. We think of the book of Job. Satan comes to ask permission from the Lord. As the Lord is, is at work in our lives, in every situation, in all things, even in the hard things, even in the dark things, he is at work. As we heard read to us, from uh, Hebrews 12, uh, earlier, just in verse 10 and 11, that suffering is the scalpel of our heavenly father. And that was true of, of Vicky's story. As she, as she prayed for her mum to be healed, and at times she saw answers to prayer. But then at the end, it seemed like, it seemed like God had let her down, that God had failed her. But God did not fail her. Because he is at work in her. Because as Vicky looks back, and so often that is the case, as we look back on our suffering, that we can see the hand of our Heavenly Father in it. As he used that episode of agonising grief, and it was agony, for, her, for his purposes, for the purposes of the Lord. As the Lord in his kindness drew Vicky back to himself through that tragedy. And not only that, the Lord is using this, is using it in a redemptive way so that she can minister to other people, to other women who have gone through immense grief themselves, even either in losing a parent or maybe in losing someone close to them. And so we can praise God for that. Praise God for how he uses these things.
Not easy things. But this is how the Lord uses evil for his redemptive and good purposes. Because the Lord is is always at work. He is at work providentially. And therefore we can trust him. As disaster is never the final destination. No, the Lord is in control and the Lord is at work. And lastly, the Lord has a plan. The Lord has a plan for our lives. Sometimes things happen in our lives that are straightforward and very easy to explain. Often that's not the case. And so we want to know. We want to know what is happening and why it's happened. And yet some things are hidden from us. As Isaiah says in verse 15, It truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Saviour of Israel. We want to know every detail of our lives. But we are not God. Only he knows everything. And he does know everything. It's therefore important to remember the words of Deuteronomy 29, 29, which say the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to, to us belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. We want to know everything, but God has revealed to us all that we need to know. As the Lord says later in verse 19, I've not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I've not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. And we live by God's revealed will in his word. And so we don't need to look for signs or dreams or visions of what God might say to us. No, we look to what God has and is saying to us through his word. We live by what he has revealed to us in his word and not by what he might reveal to us or what we might like him to reveal to us. As the Lord says over and over again in verse in, in Isaiah 45 throughout the chapter, I am the Lord and there is no other. There's no comparison to him. The Lord is sovereign over everything and providentially at work in everything. And that should bring us great comfort. It should bring us great peace to know that he is at work. As the Lord doesn't pop into our lives, do a miracle and then leave. No, the Lord is always at work in every situation in our lives. He is at work in every situation in your life right now. Both in the good and in the bad. He is at work. It takes faith to believe that God can heal, but it takes even greater faith to trust in God's providence when he doesn't. As it's not about the amount of our faith, but about the object of our faith. Because we we can't tell God what to do. No, we must let God be God. We might be tempted to say, yes, yeah, sure, but is he really, is he really at work in everything, in everything in our lives? Well, two popular ideas that might pop up are that of what is called deism and then pantheism. Deism is the idea that God is like the great watchmaker, that he winds up the clock and then steps back steps back from his creation that he's created, that he's not really involved in our lives today. But God is intimately involved in our lives in every way. He does everything. It's not fate or chance or luck, but God sovereignly, providentially ordains everything in our lives. And it's at this point that you realise This is radical. As Christians, we truly are strangers and aliens because this is a radical idea. 
it's an idea which is contrary to what everyone else around us might say. As you might listen to or watch TV, listen to the weather reports as they speak about Mother Nature at work, or maybe when a football team gets to a final, they might say the football gods are looking down on them. Or maybe maybe you work in the NHS or in the police and you say, well, it's quiet tonight, only to be frowned upon because you have in some way cursed your colleagues. But the gods of our day, as they say, are not in charge. The Lord is. The Lord is. And there is no other. Because as deism, then there's the idea of pantheism. Pantheism is really best symbolized through the film Avatar, where God is not above his creation, but that God is in his creation. Speaking with a lady at a wedding a few years ago, um, she spoke of how her deceased husband would uh, visit her each morning in the form of a robin that sat on a fence just outside her kitchen window. And that brought great comfort to her. But that's not Christianity. That is pantheism. Where God is not above his creation, but in this case is in it in the form of a bird. And it's especially true in, in the idea of um, that we are part of God's creation. And if we are part of God's creation in this way, that God is in us, then the answer that we have, that we need to find is within us. But our problem is within us because our sinful hearts deceive us. And therefore, we need help from out with. We need Jesus to help us and to save us. And so as followers of Jesus, what is the, the Lord's ultimate plan for our lives? Well, as, as, as uh, Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Not only is God working good things in our lives, but he's doing it in all things. He's doing it for one reason. As it says in Ephesians 1, verse 11 and 12, the Lord works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So what is God's end goal for our lives? It is that God would work out everything in this world, both for the good of his people and for the glory of his name. As the Lord is working in our, in our world to draw people to himself. As, a, as the Lord says in verse 22 of Isaiah, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. The invitation is to come to the Lord. From for, for everyone everywhere, they're invited to come to the Lord. And we can truly, as Christians, find comfort in what the Lord has done. As you look in verse 23 of Isaiah, it says, Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. And if you're familiar with your New Testament, you realize that Paul uses these very words in Philippians 2 with a crucified, risen and ascended Lord Jesus. As he says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As the ways of the Lord may be mysterious to us, but the character of God is not. For God has revealed his love to us by sending his son to die for us, that we would have new hope and a new life in him. And therefore, if we're ever unsure of what God has done or what God is doing in our life, let us look to the cross. Look to what Jesus has done on the cross in paying for our sins. Look to, to Jesus on the cross and see that he is working in us to make us more like himself. Look to what Jesus will do, that he will bring us into glory, that we will receive a new body, that we will no longer go through suffering, no longer experience death as he welcomes us 
into his presence. And these are the certainties of God which are ours in Christ. And therefore we can be confident in chaos. We can be humble in grief because we know that the Lord still cares for us. As Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Look at the birds of the air. As our heavenly Father provides for them, will he not provide for us, his children? He has provided for us through his Son. And therefore we can receive his love. We can know that he will provide for us, that he cares for us, that he loves us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. That he loves us today and that we can trust in him tomorrow for whatever may come. We know that God is at work and is with us. And so we can come to him. We can come to him as our Heavenly Father, knowing that he cares for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your providential care. We thank you that we can look to you and trust you. And Lord, these are hard things to receive, but help us to see that they come from the hand of a a loving Father that cares for us. And so we pray that you would help us to see, Lord, that you are in control whatever may be happening in our lives, that you are in control, that you are at work in our lives, and that you have a plan for us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself in the Lord Jesus and that we can know his love. And we thank you, Father, that you care for us so much as to send your son for us. So we pray that you would help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on him. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would help us to look upon you in difficult times, to trust in you. This we ask for your son's sake. Amen. Uh, That does bring us uh, to the end of our service. If you need prayer for anything, uh, then please do pray with the person that you came with or pray with me um, or James, one of our elders. I'd be privileged uh, to pray with you uh, this evening. Uh, Some words from 2 Thessalonians to close. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.